center and coming in is Loom. Hillendike centered it. with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour of Flames Talk is underway. It's Wednesday, May 10th. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. And as we go inside hockey on this Wednesday edition of the program, I'm going to do something uh, kind of fun, a little different. I was thinking about this. We published uh, we well last week. Put out a call on Twitter for uh, mailbag questions at sportsnet.ca. Got a lot of response, so had to split it into two mailbag pieces just because there were a lot of really good questions. And I thought, okay, well, the the second part just published on this Wednesday at sportsnet.ca. Why not not do a little um, live mailbag on the text line at 960-960? So if you're listening live with us on Sportsnet 960, the fan, going to take your texts and and dive into some of these mailbag questions, spend uh, lots of some some good chunk of time on some. Some will be easier, more rapid-fire answers, but get get your texts in at 960-960. Got any questions for a little uh, Flames mailbag on on Brad True Living's departure or the firing of Daryl Sutter or some of the new contracts or some of the player moves that might happen this summer or who's the new coach and general manager, all that type of stuff is on the table. Uh, you ready to rock? You ready to uh, see how this uh, see how this goes? Yeah, I'm excited. I, uh, I, some so, questions are coming in. So far, uh, so far there's been uh, some good response on the, the text line at 960. We'll start with uh, Greg, who asks, do you think Daryl being given an $8 million endorsement made him more adversarial than the person who won the Jack Adams the year before? I, I don't think that there was at least in terms of the interaction with players and the way that he went about coaching his team, I don't think there was much change at all. The only thing that might have changed is the interaction with general manager Brad Living and, and how that might have gone with one guy having a contract extension and the other guy not having a contract extension. That dynamic might have changed, so potentially more adversarial or more, I don't know, um, empowered to not go the direction that the, the GM was thinking. Maybe I could see that, but I, I really don't believe there was any difference in terms of the way he messaged and approached things with his team inside that locker room. Yeah, I think in terms of, of maybe being set in his ways or you could even say perhaps a little hard-headed about it at times, like that That goes back, That that quite frankly has been one of, the things that's made Daryl Sutter successful as a coach that goes back certainly to his first stint in Calgary. Even before that, I think some people feel like he was even more set in his ways after the justification of winning two Stanley cups and, and that being the proof that absolutely he's, 
you know, he's one of the best to do it as a head coach. So I, I don't know for me if the, if the contract extension and certainly not the Jack Adams award, I, I know that's not what Greg was saying, but I don't think those two things changed a ton in Daryl Sutter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree with you though. I, I think in terms of the power it gave him behind the scenes with the GM not being extended at the same time, that, that might've been a little bit of a power shift. Uh, this from Wedley. If either of you were the general manager, would you draft at 16 or trade down? And if trading down, how far? Um, I've thought about this. I think ideally for me, if you could move out of 16 one way or the other, I think you would. Because it seems like that's kind of... It's right in the middle of that second tier, it feels like. And if you can move into that top tier maybe you can package one of the roster players that we've been talking about to to move up into that top tier and maybe get a defenseman um and it's it's there's there's kind of the undisputed defenseman the number one defenseman in this draft and that's uh Reinbacher out of Switzerland if you could if you could move up to put yourself into that conversation that would i think be the most ideal circumstance but we talked about this pretty at length on, on Tuesday's show, Wes. If you trade down and can still get yourself one of those next crop of defensemen, might not be the worst idea either. I just think there's a, a real need for young prospect defensemen in this organization. And so if you can trade down and accumulate more picks out of 16, I think you need to think about doing that if you're still going to get a D-man. And I think there's... Uh, there's some merit at least in the conversation about trading up a little bit too. Yeah, I think at, you know at, at risk of not really answering the questions, I think it's a really tough one to answer. I think you have to be flexible on the draft floor with what is going on. If you can move up and get a defenseman that you've targeted, great. If the guy you've targeted is still there at 16, but you think he might be there, at 20, I would consider trading down and and yet you know there's some there's been some pretty good defensemen there's been some pretty good players picked at number 16 and in a really deep draft, I'd be cautious about outsmarting yourself as well by by trying to drop a bunch to accumulate picks like if there's a guy there, yeah, grab him i i'm I'm a little hesitant to trade down unless you're really certain that your guy's going to be there. And then if you're talking about it, I'm a little hesitant why you think he's maybe going to be available at 20, let's say. Yep. Yep. I do. I, I never really buy into the whole idea of moving up, especially in the first round, especially meaningfully in the first round. But this year they've got some interesting assets they could potentially put into the fray. And so, I just wonder about that this year because 16 is not necessarily the sexiest play, place to be to be drafting. Not to say they won't get an A asset. Like, they'll get an uh, uh, an A prospect in the organization in a very deep draft. I just I wonder if there's more of an opportunity to bump up five or six spots this year as opposed to other years. Your, your new general manager, whenever that individual is hired, one of the first things they're doing is, is phoning Sweden to talk to Elias Lindholm and then to talk to Michael Backlund to find out 
what their future might look like. And those are two Lindholm, especially when you're talking about moving up in the first round, like that's an asset that you could put in play at the draft and try to make a move up, you know, to vault yourself several draft positions, maybe get into single digits. Yep. Now the teams that are making those picks in the single digits, obviously, you know, you're not getting to the very top, but I'm not sure what their appetite to trade those picks in a historically deep, historically deep draft might be. Yeah. But certainly you have the assets to make a play for it. Uh, this uh, from Susan. How about Gerard Gallant as the next head coach? Well, you go first on this one because you, you pop as, as soon as the news came out that he was no longer going to be the New York Rangers head coach. There was one connection that instantly came to mind for you. Well, yeah, Gerard Gallant coached Jonathan Huberto in the QMJHL and then coached him in the National Hockey League. Yep. So, um, and I know whenever you throw something like that out there, everyone says, oh, you can't just be catering to one player. I don't think it's catering to Jonathan Huberto, but your new coach, whoever that individual is, your new coach needs a plan to maximize Jonathan Huberto, something that absolutely did not happen. And that's not all on the coach here in Calgary, but Jonathan Huberto can't be a 55-point player. He couldn't be last year when he was, and he especially can't be when his new contract kicks in. And so I do think when you start to connect the dots, there's some intrigue there, and yet if I'm the guy making the list, Gerard Gallant is not at the top of it. I. You know, he's a guy who has a shelf life as well, and and every coach does, but he hasn't had the results maybe uh, and and some of the things you hear tactically, and I'm sure you'll get into this. I I just don't know that he's the best candidate for the Flames. Just listening to Frank Saravalli with us on, on Tuesday's Flames Talk or listening to Elliot on 32 Thoughts, just some of the the ways that, you know, there had been criticism inside the, the last few organizations about the inability to, to maybe tactically adapt in playoff series and not necessarily being super open to feedback from his assistants and the rest of the coaching staff and not really the, the, not to say that there was like bad relationships, but maybe not getting through to the players the way that, they would have liked kind of feels like a lot of the same things we were hearing from the coach that just got ousted in this market. So it's, he he's, he's had a lot of success. He's well-respected and, and deservedly. So he's just, he wouldn't be near the top of my list for head coach. I'm and, and I don't like the term retread, but I would prefer the flames go away from Gerard Gallant or Peter Laviolette or the guys that are, kind of usual suspects for NHL coaching jobs. I think going a younger direction, whether it's internally or externally is, is maybe a more desirable route because I just, I, I, I see a lot of coaches who have worked their way up and maybe a little bit younger. I look at Cooper. I look at Brindamore. I look at um, guys like that. Those are maybe more desirable when it comes to, trying to fix a situation that went pretty bad this year. And and I do wonder what 
financial, I don't want to say limitations necessarily, but I'm not sure that the Calgary Flames with Daryl Sutter being paid four plus million dollars for the next two seasons to not be the coach. I'm not sure that one of the additional perks of going young at that position is not adding another $4 million coach to your payroll. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. This, are there any untouchable flames and what value could a Huberto and or a Kadri get you on the trade market? I'm excited to hear your answer on this one. Which part? The untouchables. Honestly, right now, my untouchables that were on the NHL roster this year, like next to, I, I don't think there is one. Um, I would like, I, I, I would hesitate to move Dubé. I would hesitate to move. I'm, Rasmus would be as close to an untouchable as it gets. I mean, I look at Dylan Dubé, not Dylan Dubé, Dustin Wolf. Dustin Wolf to me is the number one untouchable in the organization right now. I, that to me is a non-starter. Um, but he wasn't a regular on the NHL roster this year. So, in terms of regulars, Anderson Dubé would be as close to it as it gets for me in terms of untouchables. You? Yeah. Rasmus Anderson would top my list. And yet, I'm not sure I would declare him untouchable. I. I don't think he's a guy that you're seeking to move. I, I You've heard me on this program say that I actually think he should be the next captain of yep. the Calgary Flames. So he would be the sort of top of my list. And to answer the second part and, and not to be the bearer of bad news, but Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri are untradeable at their current salary for the number of years remaining. With, with six years left on Nazem Kadri's deal, Eight on Huberto. Eight on Jonathan Huberto's coming off seasons that left a lot to be desired. I, I think the question was worded as what could you get for them? I think a better way to put it right now is what would you have to add to get a team to take them? And the Calgary Flames just need those two to yep. bounce back. You can't be you can't be writing them off if that's the right way to put it. But if you're trying to trade Jonathan Huberto with $84 million left on his deal, it's not, Hey, what are you going to give us? It's, Hey, what are you going to add to it? And the Calgary flames shouldn't be going down that road. Yeah, yet. To me, there are times when you have to weigh the value that you would get in a trade and the value that you would get by keeping a guy with the organization. And I think it, if you wanted to go down the trade route at some point, I think both guys have got to have much better seasons to maybe rehab their value on the open market. So I, I would not be doing it this summer. I'm with you. I, I think the trade value would be pretty low. Um, this reads, I like this one from Nathan Lethbridge. I really want Conroy as the next GM. Um, due to it being an internal hire, he's paid his dues and he's a local guy. What would the benefit be to a guy like Mark Hunter or Stan Bowman or somebody else, especially with Bowman's past? And what would you say to make all the fans happier if they went outside of the organization? I like this one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at it more as if they go outside the organization, I hope they go outside the organization for 
somebody that is very much an up and comer. Like I, I, if they don't go with one of their internal hires, if it's not as as Nate was talking about, if they they don't go with Conroy, which I think would be the the best way for them to go about it right now. But if they don't go Conroy, or if they don't go Brad Pascal, and they decide to go external, then I hope it's Sean Horkoff or Rich Peverly or Eric Tulski or a guy that has understudied and a guy that has been under an experienced general manager for some time and is kind of that next up-and-coming guy waiting for their chance. And that's how I would message it or sell it to fans is, hey, this guy's been waiting for the opportunity, is a young, bright mind in the game. Now his sh- is his shot. He's going to have different visions than his prior boss. He's going to have different visions than Calgary's prior GM. That's the way I would message it to make it feel uh, a little better to people who were maybe more looking for the internal route. Yeah, and I get the sense that the fan base is quite divided on this one in the sense of I think that Craig Conroy is the front runner, and I think a lot of fans are keeping their fingers crossed that the announcement will ultimately come from the Saddle Dome that you know this guy who has ascended from fan favorite forward to the rare fan favorite in the front office will eventually be named GM. And yet I think the message, if you decide to go another direction, and I know the text mentioned Mark Hunter and Stan Bowman, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm not addressing those two specifically with this answer, but I think the messaging, if you decide to go with an external candidate is, Hey, we haven't had the results. We need to try something different. We need a brand new voice. We need someone who wasn't part of the hockey ops staff here. We need someone who, and and we know, you know, Craig and, and Brad Pascal have their own ideas, but if you're going external, the explanation for it is just that. It, we want to bring in something totally fresh. We want a fresh approach. And if you do decide, and I, I'll, I don't mind saying this, I, I've said this to a couple people off air in the past couple days, like, I think hiring Craig Conroy is a home run as far as public relations go. I'm not sure, you know, if you not only don't hire Craig Conroy, but you hire a guy that you have to ask the NHL to reinstate him in Stan Bowman, that's about as big of a PR difference as you could get. I, I don't think personally for me that would make sense, but if you are going outside the organization whether it's Bowman or someone else, you're saying, hey, we just want a totally fresh approach here. Uh, This from Kevin in Lethbridge. With Matthew Phillips becoming a UFA, do you think he'll re-sign with the team? And if so, was his failed experiment with the big club just a coach issue? Um, Okay, I'll answer the second part first. I think that the biggest roadblock to Matthew Phillips getting a real opportunity at the highest level was Daryl Sutter. I don't believe, well, I know, we know for a fact, Daryl did not, believe that Matthew Phillips was an NHLer and so that was the biggest roadblock that roadblock no longer with the organization so I do think the coach was the biggest reason why the experiment never really got off the ground as for the first part do I think there's a chance he resigns yes because of the change that was made I think there absolutely is a chance. We talked a little bit about this on Tuesday, and, and Matthew joined us on Tuesday's show as well. If I'm the Flames, 
I go to him and offer him a one-way contract and, and give him a little boost on his AAV from this past year and say, hey, we're giving you a one-way deal because we think the NHL is a viable possibility here and we want to give you that. We want to open that door. We want to give you that opportunity. So I don't know what the chances are, but I do think there is less than a negligible chance that, that he re-signs with the Flames. I think there's definitely a chance as well. And and in saying that, and we talked about it yesterday, if I'm Matthew Phillips, it would have to be a one-way deal. I think for Phillips, this time of year is really important. The The knock on someone his size is always going to have to do with, okay, can we count on him to show up when when things get a little chippy, when things get a little rougher than usual? And so these playoff games for the Calgary Wranglers, and that that opening series that they had against the Abbotsford Canucks had, had some nastiness to it, yep. including a major for spearing to Matthew Phillips. And so I think this is an important time of year for him to show, Hey, not only can I score 30 plus, not only can I tie the league record for game winning goals in the regular season, but I'm not a guy who's going to disappear in these playoff games. And, and to his credit, that's exactly what he's shown so far. Now, Matthew Phillips, I think, is a guy who's going to have multiple options. I don't think 25 teams are calling Matthew Phillips on the first day of free agency if he gets there, but there are going to be scoring starved teams that are willing to give him a shot. And Matthew's going to need to decide, and a lot of it is going to be based on what the Flames will offer, but if he wants to continue in his hometown or if he wants to see if in another organization he might get that sort of clean slate that we keep talking about. Uh, This one from Mike. How would you feel about Toffoli hypothetically going term over money? Would you do, say, six years at four mil if he was looking at that direction? I actually prefer the other way. I prefer maybe giving a little bump on the AAV and going shorter term. Like, I would go four years and give him a bump on the 4.25 that uh, is, is his current average annual value. I prefer shorter term and maybe going more money as opposed to the other way. Yeah. I don't love going six years with a player in his thirties already. Yep. I, I think this team's already got a got uh, got a lot of guys or, or several, <clears throat> I can't talk all of a sudden, several guys locked up into their, kind of mid and even late thirties. And I I love the creativity that comes with it for a team. That's going to have some cap issues, but ugh, six years. I, I just don't know. We're talking about a player who had 73 points this past season, but had never been over 60 before. I just don't know that you're signing him for six years. Um, Pat, in order to create cap space, could you see the Flames moving from a position of strength? I uh, example defense. I'd try and move Hannafin and or Tanev to recoup a combination of picks and prospects. This would give the team about nine and a half million in cap space if they traded both to address other needs. That's from Sam. If they were to make a move that was strictly aimed at creating cap space. Yeah, I would uh, I would be looking at defense because with Shillington coming back, the option of re-signing one of or both of Stetcher and Stone, you've got Gilbert under contract and he was able to step in and play some games. I think you have options. You've got NHL depth on defense. So if you were to move one of those guys, 
re-sign Stetcher. I still think you're constructing three decent NHL pairings on a regular night. And if that allows you to create some cap space to maybe go after some uh, a forward to give you a little bit more punch up front, that that would be the way I would go about it. And I just want to make sure I didn't miss here what you were reading. I wouldn't be trading two defensemen. I think you have a chance to trade from a position of strength there, but if you suddenly move two of your top four, then suddenly you're shopping for a defense. Yeah, I would go. I w- I'd be okay with them moving one. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you there. Uh, this reads uh, from Caden. Do you think the Flames give their youth a shot with Pelche, Zeri, Coronado, and Wolf? Um, I think Pelche will be given every opportunity to earn a spot in training camp, and I think he'll come in having to lose a spot as opposed to having to win a spot. Coronado, I don't think is there yet, but I think that they're going to hope that he, and they're going to give him every opportunity to win a spot. Wolf's a little bit more interesting. Let's see how the off season goes. Um, and I still think Zeri's got some work to do. Um, you know, Zeri to me seems like a guy who starts in the American league next year and maybe he's a recall down the road. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good way to handicap it. I, I think Jacob Pelche is a guy and we said this a year ago, but I think Jacob Pelche is a guy who's, pretty close to penciled in for next season. Obviously you have some uh, new people who are going to be in the organization that will have a lot of say in those decisions, but Pelche is pretty close to penciled in for me. Coronado is a guy you have to give a shot in camp, but you also have to have a, another plan there in case you, you think that he's not ready. I don't necessarily see Connor Zari as a guy who's knocking on the door just yet for full-time duties. And then I'm fascinated by what you do with Dustin Wolf. I, d- I don't know what more he can prove at the AHL level, but let's see how the next, you know, handful of weeks potentially go with the, the Calgary Wranglers trying to make a Calder cup push. I just want to add this on the yeah. forwards. I, I think what you can maybe expect to see and, and, Again, you know, I just keep saying, but it's absolutely true. The new general manager is going to have so much to say about this, but I think you're going to see a bunch of PTOs next year. I think a good path forward for the Calgary Flames is to bring in some veterans on PTOs and then give the Coronados and the Pelches and and potentially the the Connors Aries a chance to win a job and then release those guys from their PTOs. Uh, I like this one uh, from Robert in Vancouver. Who from outside the Flames organizations do you got organization rather? Do you guys want to see become the next GM? Uh, thoughts on Tulski. So, if it's not going to be an internal hire, I lean internal on this one. If if it's my opinion, I think that's the way to go. Uh, if they don't do that, the guy that I'm most interested in is actually Sean Horkoff in Detroit. I just think anybody who is under Steve Eiserman is a guy that you want to use as a um, potential candidate. Eiserman has masterfully built two teams now, and I know Detroit has has not had ultimate success and hasn't even gotten back to the playoffs as of yet. But you know they're going in the right direction, and so with Horkoff being the AGM and and being a AHL GM as well. I really look towards him as a guy that I'd be fascinated in doing that job. 
I love this question. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of names for me. And, and I'm with Pat. I, I think internal makes a lot of sense, but uh, a few that fascinate me. Jason Botterill is one. Assistant general manager now in Seattle has, has some GM experience in Buffalo. And while it didn't look great, perhaps when he was done in Buffalo, he's the guy who made the trade for Tage Thompson. And you certainly have to like the way that Buffalo is, is trending now. And, and he has his fingerprints all over that roster is a guy who is looking for a second chance. I'd, I'd consider that one. I'm fascinated by Scott Nickel, who a lot of people will remember as a really, really feisty flames yep. forward and is now an assistant GM in Nashville. I'm not sure he's had quite enough front office experience, but if you're trying to pinpoint a guy on the rise and, and you talk about, you know, the, the sort of tutelage or, or the chance to be an understudy. Well, David Poyle's yep. been doing this for a little while. And, and so the chance there, and then I'll throw out a name, that I had on my list of candidates, and I, I don't know if he's on their list or not, but there's a gentleman by the name of Von Carpen. He's the director of player personnel for the Vegas Golden Knights. He was a huge part of building their expansion roster. He had he's so widely respected as a scout. And if he's interested in a GM role, he's a guy I'm talking to. Okay. Uh, this on that same, uh, save, same wavelength. If Kyle Dubas becomes available, you think the flames should pursue him in short. I think that yes, they should look at him as a serious candidate. I know that the way things have gone in Toronto, he has not had the ultimate success as general manager of the Maple Leafs. And who knows by the end of Wednesday, they might be out of the playoffs, but I do like the way that he has built that team. I like the. Uh, I like the way that he's approached contracts. I like the way that, you know, he's been aggressive in making trades. I think Dubas is a very bright guy and a really good general manager. So if he were to become available, and there's a lot of people who think even if Toronto does end up going out in round two, there's a lot of people who think the Maple Leafs still decide to retain him, even though it hasn't been the most successful playoff tenure for him as their GM. If the Toronto Maple Leafs are eliminated tonight or later this week, if they don't complete some sort of magical comeback against the Florida Panthers and Kyle Dubas is fired in Toronto, every team with a GM vacancy should make that call. That's how highly I think of, of Kyle Dubas. In fact, I think it was Frank Saravalli who suggested on the show this week that there's teams that do have GMs that might be willing to yep. make a change yep. just because of the caliber of candidate Kyle Dubas would be. And so, yes, absolutely. If he's a free agent anytime soon, the Flames should certainly find out if there could be a fit here. Uh, Brad in Lakeview writes, the players were instrumental in getting Sutter fired. How much input do you think they'll have on who the next head coach will be? Well, here's what I would say. I don't, they're not going to choose the next head coach, but there are two players that come to mind for me that I would at the very least engage in conversations, maybe three, about who that next head coach should be. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Huberto. I think you need to get somebody, you need to maximize $10.5 million 
And so to bring in a coach that plays a brand of hockey that will suit Jonathan better, I think that there is something to that. I'm not saying that you make your coaching hire base solely on Jonathan Huberto, but I think it needs to be a factor. And I don't think a lot of other players get that same type of treatment, but his record-setting franchise record contract is about to kick in. You need to maximize as best you can that $10.5 million. The other players are Lindholm and Backland. I go to Lindholm and I say, we really want to keep you. What type of coach would help you stay here? Um, and Backland, just knowing what he told us at different times about how much of a leadership role he took and even listening to Mackenzie Weger on the Missing Curfew podcast earlier about the the um, FU matches that he and Backland, that, that Sutter and Backland got into rather, um, I, I'd go to Backland as well and ask him what type of coach this team needs. So three guys come to mind that I would engage in the conversation or have on my mind when making a new coaching hire. Yeah, I don't think you're looking for their blessing, per se. I don't think you're going to Jonathan Huberto and saying who should be the next coach of the Flames. I mean, he's played for a handful of coaches. If you're considering, let's say you're considering Andrew Brunette, well, you're asking Jonathan why that worked. But I, I want to go at it more from the other angle, which is, and, and it's Huberto for me more than anyone, and and then Kadri's probably next on the list. I just want to know your plan to maximize him. I think yeah. Jonathan Huberto's name needs to come up in these coaching interviews, and it's not, hey, what's your relationship with Jonathan Huberto? Do you guys, you know, have you ever worked with him? Are you buddies with him? Do you text in the summer? I just want to know, hey, what do you see here? How how can you maximize a guy who we need a lot more than 55 points out of? And that goes for a conversation, if you have it, with Andrew Brunette, who's currently an assistant coach for the New Jersey Devils. He got, and he was a mid-season replacement, but he got a lot of those 115 points out of the, out of Jonathan Huberto last year. So, yep. so you're asking him, well, how did that work? But if I'm sitting down with Mitch Love, the two-time coach of the year at the AHL level, I, I want to know his plan to maximize Jonathan Huberto. If I'm sitting down with Spencer Carberry, who's considered one of the hot assistant candidates, although sure sounds like he's going to Washington eventually, I want to know the plan for Jonathan Huberto. I, do, I, I don't need to know who Jonathan Huberto thinks should be the next coach, but I need to know what the next coach has in mind for how he can maximize the most talented player on the roster. Last one, and if we don't get, uh, if we didn't get to yours, we'll we'll do this again because the response has been uh, through the roof, as I thought it was going to be. But you never know. Uh, we've never done a Flames Talk mailbag before, so we'll do this once every few weeks in these, the off season. These pesky commercials are getting in the way, I eh? Know, we could I we know. could go forever here. Uh, last one that we'll read from uh, Jeremy and Crossfield. Out of all the current players with the Wranglers, who actually has a chance on being with the team next year? I would suggest. Four come to mind right away. Pelche, Dewar, Rooney, Wolf. Those come to mind right away. There's four that I think have got a great chance, and you could probably stretch it and throw one or two other names into that mix as well. Yeah, I expect Jacob Pelche to play, barring injury, 70-plus games in the NHL next year. So he is at, at the absolute top of my list, but I, I think you're... Your list is a good one, and I I just never miss an opportunity to plug 
my my most fascinating prospect, Ilya Slovyov, as a guy who I think is on your list of potential call-ups as a depth defenseman next year. If, if you're adding a, a sort of dark horse to make his NHL debut next year, in the event of injury, you're not clearing a spot for him on your roster. You're not expecting him to play 25 or 30 games for you next year, but he's a guy I could see get some spot duty at the NHL level as soon as next winter. And Poirier is still interesting to me just because he does things that so runs a power play do. so efficiently. Yeah. And, and this experience and, and I feel like a broken record. I say this about everyone, but this experience is going to be so valuable for him. Like, remember this guy was on the AHL's all rookie team. He's a first year defenseman yep. straight out of junior playing in the AHL. That's, that's not an easy jump. And just the trust that Mitch love has shown in him in these one goal games so far. It's sort of sink or swim for a guy who has always had a ton of offensive upside. And I don't know if a ton is fair, but had a lengthy list of defensive question marks. We'll do uh, another Flames Talk mailbag in the very near future. That was a lot of fun on the text line. If we didn't get to you, apologies, uh, but we'll do it again. And uh, that was a lot of fun inside hockey on the Flames mailbag, Flames Talk mailbag. Inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the tastes of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Pat and Wes along with you. The uh, mailbag went well. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for your uh, questions if you're listening live with us at 960-960. Thursday. I can I jump in here for yeah. a second? And you as a fellow writer, I'm not sure how you feel, but the the spoken mailbag is magic. That was pretty easy, eh? Well, I don't, I, mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm stealing the paycheck, but yeah. y'all did all the work. You, you know, yeah. We just you know. we just answered the question. And great questions. We'll do it again soon. For sure. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Um, okay, so Thursday is game one of the Wranglers in Coachella Valley. And if you've yet to be to a Wranglers game at the Dome this year, if you didn't get during the regular season or you didn't get to game one or two against Abbotsford in round one, well, right now we just want to give you, like, let, let's let's sell this thing. Let's, let's get you out to a Wranglers game. Um, if you haven't been, if you're on the fence, if you're thinking about it, if you're not sure – Here's why you absolutely need to get to a Calgary Wranglers game uh, in this playoff round against Coachella Valley. Cause, and we can just go rapid fire on it. But game one Thursday, 7 o'clock at the Dome. Game two Friday, same start time. First off, really entertaining hockey. The Wranglers are a good team. They've got some really good talent. And on top of that, you got the two best teams in the American League. So 106 points for the Wranglers, 103 points for the Firebirds. They went four and four against one another in the regular season. Like this is just going to be from a straight up hockey fan standpoint. Even if you listen to Flames talk and you're a fan of the Canucks or the Jets, and you're like, "Well, I still like to go watch live hockey. Go watch this series because from a straight up hockey watching standpoint, it'll be awesome." They lost in regulation seventeen games each this season. 
out of 72, 17 regulation losses apiece. It, four each to one another. So you take those games out. They lost 13 games each in regulation to the rest of the Pacific Division. Like, this is this is exactly the heavyweight fight that everyone was hoping to see in the Pacific Division final. I can't wait to watch it, personally. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, another reason... Jacob Pelche is just at this level is is a dynamo. He, I know that productivity wise, there wasn't a ton in his NHL debut and and the stint that he had twenty games or whatever it was this season. But if you want to see why so many people are high on this guy and what it could look like or could translate to down the road in the NHL, he is electric at the American League level. He's fast. He gets to the inside. He is dangerous. He plays with even more edge than we saw in the NHL this year. Like he's just awesome to watch as a member of the Wranglers. He's every time one of the most noticeable players on the ice. I think to add to that, because just repeating what you said is kind of boring. I, I would add that I think you really see why he was a captain of his junior teams. I think you really see the leadership and we've all seen the heartwarming videos of him, you know, hyping up teammates on the bench with the flames, wrapping his arm around Jonathan Huberto. We've, we've seen all that, but I, I really think you see the leadership come out in spades with Jacob Pelche. And that gives you a glimpse into what it's going to look like when he believes and when he feels like he should be a go-to guy at the NHL level. And that time is going to come, but I, I think you really see, and, and I, I find it to be one of the neat things about watching the Wranglers is the way he wants to take that team on his back. I, I think that is a really good sign for any 22-year-old, and that might eventually segue into one of the other guys. Yeah, and the Dustin Wolf is... Goaltenders aren't always the most exciting players to watch. Like, typically... A goalie's pretty boring unless he makes a highlight reel save, unless he goes post to post or does some crazy reach back with the stick or whatever. But Dustin Wolf, the way he plays, the athleticism that he plays with, the way he moves, he's actually one of the most exciting guys on the team to watch because there's not there's not a lot of standing still for Wolf. He's always moving and he is Honestly, and I'm no goaltending expert, but he is the most reactive goaltender I've ever watched in my life. I've never seen a goalie play to reactions or or use his reactions as his number one trait more so than Dustin Wolf. And that makes for really exciting watching between the pipes. He made a save in game one against the Abbotsford Canucks, the Wranglers had a breakdown of breakdowns and suddenly the baby Canucks are on a two on O down low in game one. I think in the first period, certainly in the first or second. Yeah. First, because of the end of the rink, it was at the save he made on this two on O was just out of this world. And, and you're right. Like his athleticism is a sight to behold. I, I think this is really neat in one of my conversations about Dustin Wolf, through this season, I, I remember asking one of his goaltending coaches, okay, well, what are you working on? And one of the things that they've done with Dustin Wolf is 
they feel like his hockey sense is so good that they've actually got him to start playing back in his crease a little more than he was in the past. It, at his size, he always had to be really aggressive. And he still needs to be aggressive, but they feel like his hockey sense is so good that they've actually dialed that aggressiveness back a little bit because of the way he can read plays. I, You won't often hear anyone tell a six-foot goalie to play a little bit further back in his crease, but his hockey sense and the way he reads the play and anticipates the play combined with the athleticism and his ability to react, yep. that's one of the tweaks that they've made in Dustin Wolf's game. Just a few reasons why, if you're on the fence, you should get out and watch. Game one is Thursday night, 7 o'clock at the Dome. Game two, Friday night, 7 o'clock at the Dome. Coachella Valley and the Calgary Wranglers should be a lot of fun in this next best of five series. And the nachos are still top drawer. Yeah, and still, there's still Dome beers. Like, there's still... Everything that you love about a Flames game on top of everything else. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. I, I really can't wait to watch game one on Thursday night. That'll wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk for Wes Gilbertson, who's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. For our producers, Taylor and Cam, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.